0: Welcome back to another episode of Inspire A.D. with my man Justin Bissonnette. I am Max Meehan. We are the purveyors of Inspire Pro Wrestling and uh, on this journey we are discussing the history of Inspire Pro and uh, hopefully giving people some insight into how an indie company runs but also just you know just just getting into the meat of, yeah. of uh, the
1: how and the why, right? Yeah. Hopefully some of our, our fans from the, the time, those pesky questions of why did that happen? Hopefully this shed some light on we that. We
0: definitely get a lot of that. Uh, in fact, we have actually been getting some questions from people out there. Uh, some of them we can't necessarily answer because they're going to get answered as we approach yeah. certain episodes. For example, we've been asked about this injury or this angle, and rather than answer those directly now, we're just going to kind of sit on them until we get to the respective episode that they belong to. Um,
1: we, we will address them, though. We, we do
0: promise you that. We definitely will. One There was one question that you did get, though, that I would love to answer.
1: So this question came in the email, and the question is, what was the inspiration behind creating brand new characters like the Great Depression, the Red Scare, Legion, with Morbius, and Blasphemer.
0: Blasphemer. So, for me, the reason I created a lot of the colorful characters that you saw at the onset of the company was because I wanted to get away from what I deemed a pervasive influence of mixed martial arts that seemed to have a stranglehold on wrestling Uh, growing up with wrestling the things that really appealed to me were vibrant colorful characters as an adult i would go back and look at that stuff and kind of go i can see why i liked that as a kid but the wrestling maybe wasn't so great that was surrounding it you can say that a lot of colorful gimmicks make up for deficiencies in professional wrestlers I wanted to create gimmicks that were different than anything else you were seeing out there in uh, independent wrestling, say, barring Chikara, probably. I wanted things to be fun, but I also wanted the wrestling surrounding and involved in them to be good as well. So there was a standard there. But that, that was the idea. I wanted to get away from just sturdy guys in black trunks uh, and kick pads beating the crap out of each other and trying to prove who's the toughest. I wanted to do some stuff that had kind of a, a mythicalness to them, and I wanted to make big, larger-than-life characters happen and make people excited about wrestling in the way that a lot of people were when they were kids.
1: And I was the anchor <laughs> holding on to a lot of those concepts. but The traditionalist. But, but I, yeah, oh, man, that hurts to hear. But um, I think it, it created a good mix, it I did. think, by both of us pulling in... and. I don't want to say opposite directions, but sort of was, uh, gave us a good mix of characters on the show so that one didn't outweigh the other.
0: Absolutely. I always wanted there to be something for everybody on these shows. That was, that was entirely the point.
1: And I just wanted, uh, tadpoles or what? What's the, uh, Joe dirt quote. I just wanted, uh, the firecrackers. I like, God damn it.
0: There you go. So going into the show, we came up with a concept. I think it was my concept. Um, I wanted to create a, a new title, but we didn't have we didn't have the time or the money to coin a new belt. I think that this was largely based on stuff like Young Lions conceptually. Yeah, we
1: wanted sort of like a Young Lions in a, a, a junior division, basically.
0: Yeah. yeah, we wanted to do something where we had guys who were not necessarily heavyweights, guys who were younger. We wanted to give them something to work toward. And so we came up with a concept known as the Junior Crown, which was literally a crown, sort of like uh, King of the Ring style crown, though this is a little more flimsy. Uh, and that's that's how we came up with this. And for this show, we opened with a Junior Crown title gauntlet match, which of course we had we had some some plans for going forward. Obviously, yeah. we had some storylines coming out of this, and obviously, I think. With how we felt about Sammy Guevara coming out of the last show with his 45-minute epic <laughs> classic against ACH. ACH.
1: Yeah. Well, we also have, you know, Barrett Brown is on the roster at this point. You know, we have Eric Shadows we talked about. You know? Yeah. Um, we have these these junior guys, like, and they're becoming more and more part of our show. So it made sense to kind of have some sort of stakes for them to go after. Absolutely. Right? So this is also the show where Chris True debuts. And we're going to talk about another um, junior-type uh, athlete here. But Chris True comes out, uh, announces his presence, and at the start of the J-Crown announces his first signee, Cherry Ramon, who has been a big, big hit for us, right? Yeah. <laughs> big hit for us that hasn't been anywhere else. So it's kind of an inspired guy. Uh, so we were able to pair him with True at the time, and Chris True announces that on a future show there will be the Star Search Battle Royal, the Chris True Star Search Battle Royal. And
0: he's building his stable, yeah. and he's 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 coming over from ACW actually.
1: Basically, yes.
0: Uh, at at this point, he was he was working both companies, I, I believe.
1: Yeah. The the funny part here is that. Dress to Kill complained about the training of Bryce, but were in like multi-man tag matches with True, who had no
0: training wrestling training whatsoever. Absolutely. I believe when Brooks got on the phone with me leading up to their, their departure, he told me that a lot of the people in our company were dangerous and under-trained, and they didn't feel comfortable working <laughs> uh, in our company any yeah. longer. And that's that's that that was a weird phone call.
1: Yeah, and by that he meant Bryce, the yes. only person that he fucking
0: who was still trained.
1: Yes, <laughs> he was.
0: He was. I mean, you know, he was trained, yeah. uh, and and at the same time they were over in ACW, which I when we were compared to them, it always really bothered me because I always saw ACW as being a Spencer's gift weed joke book. You know, at that point in time, that's what they were. And there were a lot of people who were over there smoking, drinking, getting in the ring we, in
1: spite of it. Yeah, we used to do that after the show, but at this point, pervasive in the locker room itself.
0: Yes, they were doing this in the locker room, They were, and they were doing it before matches, and no one's going to tell me otherwise. I fucking know that happened. I used to see it happen. That's that. And we had a, a much stricter criteria by which people... You know, in our locker room, behaved. I, well, I won't say that yeah. people didn't ever break rules. Yeah, they did. But,
1: but they were addressed.
0: Yeah, they were always addressed if we found out about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, to start the show, we have the Inspire Pro Junior Crown title gauntlet match. And Cherry Mones is one of the people in it. We also have Kyle Hawk.
1: Yeah, you won't... I have the list right here, the order of uh, entry. Oh, okay, me to yeah, go down? yeah, let's do that. This, this gets kind of fun when you go in order. Yeah. So we have Cherry Ramones. We have Scotty Santiago, who is that guy, Scotty Santiago. Uh, we have Mr. B making his debut for the company.
0: Absolutely. Uh, who
1: gets into a bit of a tussle with Scotty,
0: Pers- which is uh, going m- to lead m- to some stuff. Yeah, Mr. B, who is now Persona Non Grata.
1: Yeah, uh, oh, another one. Yeah. Um, but at this point, Mr. B's... Used across the state.
0: Mr. B's interesting. He's yeah. an interesting character. Uh, he he's an older guy. Yeah. And
1: older than you would think.
0: Yeah. And he uh, he he had he had some he has some ability in the ring. Uh, it, he he keeps it dialed down for the most part, yeah. but he was always solid when he did stuff for us. And he was someone that the, the fans loved. Hell
1: of a super kick. Yes. So th- at this point, he's doing the politics deal. Where yeah. he has kind of online tried to explain why he's not on major companies with this, well, it's it's just politics that's that what, has that's, spun that's, into a gimmick. That's
0: what I the, yeah. I created the politics yeah. gimmick, which is like he go, yeah, you want to know why I'm not over here? Politics. Yes. And there was a shirt that we were actually selling that just had the word politics. Yeah. Across the chest, and I was I was actually really happy with those promos. I actually filmed a few of them with him. Yeah, that we filmed. Right. Yeah, I filmed them. I directed them. I wrote them, and uh, I was really into I was really into working with B on some of that stuff. Anyway,
1: yeah. So up next is Kyle Hawk. Um, this is the show where, where we start to get like weird vibes from from Hawk. Yeah. Um, the next person is American Eagle makes his Inspire Pro date. Whatever happened to that guy? Uh, American Eagle comes out. Sammy Guevara. Up next is Barrett Brown, who has been having some entanglements with Sammy Guevara. Uh, Eric Ortiz from uh, Mexico. This is uh, the snake, Eric Ortiz.
0: Fantastic. Who, <laughs> it really, Honestly, Eric yeah. really epitomized what I wanted out of this match.
1: Far from a snake, like the nicest guy. Yoke, you can yeah, doll. Um, Loved him. And then Eric Shadows, who just was always a guy that we could put in, in a spot, and we knew that he'd deliver. You know, but
0: boy, did he have a drive! I believe he came out with Sherry Ramones. Like yeah, they're, they're coming uh, up from uh, six
1: hours one way. Yes, yeah. brutal, brutal. So and then so this was this was kind of a boon in our favor. Ricky Starks was announced and scheduled to make his debut at the famed ECW Arena the day of this show. That show was canceled. What twelve hours before? Something like that. Yeah. So uh, Ricky actually returned to Austin and was in town in time for us to slide him into this match.
0: Last minute, and last
1: minute, and the pop was huge. <laughs> it was humongous.
0: Okay, and it's it's important to kind of kind of mention this because we had uh, we had a guest at this show, a guy by the name of Jax Dane. Yes, and Jax Dane was the guy who was running Branded Outlaw Wrestling in San Antonio. This was for me. A really important moment Jax I have to really give him uh, a tremendous debt of thanks I can't can't say enough uh, positive things about him I was catching a lot of flack for never having laced up a pair of boots stepping into this role in the company uh, that a lot of people didn't think I'd earned and when a lot of people were talking shit on me on the internet I remember Jax piping up and he said are people showing up for these shows, are the, their butts in the seats? Are you getting paid? And the answer was always grudgingly yes. And he'd say, well then, he's a fucking real promoter, and you need to back the fuck down. And I, I, the, he really gave me a boost of credibility. And um, I think at this point, we had gone to a few B.O.W. shows. I know we had some concerns about Dell holding a title and being... On the B.O.W. shows and kind of losing yeah. to people in that company. I think I was more sensitive about people burying our champion than maybe was necessary at the time.
1: It was a thing. I mean, that was a, a common rule. and it, This was kind of the time period that that rule was being phased out. Yeah. Right, wrong, or indifferent. And
0: B.O.W. was an N.W.A. company, so that also really kind of uh, tied into my my tense feelings toward the situation. We'd had that... Weird meeting yeah. in the closet with Tony <laughs> Brooklyn, and then uh, I would say at the time uh, Mike Dell had uh, had gone had been in BOW and was losing to opponents uh, on kind of mid tier matches. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like that was very respectable, and I was always sort of having honor between companies driven into my head. I was I was concerned. But I was really happy to meet Jax because I thought he was a really nice guy and he showed up at this show. I know he was really high on Ricky and I remember when we had Ricky come through the curtain for this match. Yeah, I was standing next to him and he said, you guys did it, man. You guys have gotten people to respond to him like I want people to respond to him. He was very happy. Jax was a huge Ricky uh, yeah. supporter.
1: Yes, to, to this day. Yeah. Um, so, Ricky Starks wins the crown. And that dastardly Sammy Guevara crushes the crown we spent all that money on. Max, can you believe it? It's like what, twelve bucks <laughs> or some shit like that? Do you remember the original crown? Yeah,
0: oh yeah, I do. So, yes.
1: do you want to go into that? Go ahead. So the original crown was a what, a paper plate with uh, ornaments glued to it.
0: Yeah, it was. It,
1: it was a. Um, was in a bag, wasn't it? Yeah, we we had it in a. a I want to say this was where, like, I was this where I had to, like, find a fucking bag to put it in this before a the show? was ladder match, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, no, this is not the ladder match. This is just the gauntlet. Okay. We, we go into the Wait, ladder, okay, ladder you're match right, coming you're right up. Okay, the latter match is the match. Okay. Which tune in for that one because man, that one's exciting. Yeah, we keep so we didn't have a crown. Yeah, we couldn't get the crown. in We couldn't in time. get the
0: crown in time. So I actually I remember gluing Christmas ornaments yes. to a paper plate and putting it in a, in a bag, and the, the idea was that before Ricky could be crowned, Sammy would uh, take the bag and just stomp on it like a spoiled brat, yes. and it came across yeah. as pretty
1: pretty brutal. Which you know some of your film background there that it didn't matter what it looked like it just mattered what it sounded like and man it was perfect Oh, when he crazy. hit it, it that pop of the ornaments
0: yeah that sounds amazing. nasty
1: yeah that's great right and I'd be like uh, not to focus on Stroud but fuck it um, he makes this stupid fucking comment after like, oh we had a crown and everything I was like dude just shut the fuck up yeah um, just too much
0: way to wait a shit on the the, the illusion yeah so like yeah
1: come on man um, but from there, Ricky is our, our first, uh, J, J, J crown. Champion. So it's, yeah,
0: it was a title that he won.
1: Yeah. Uh, the first title in the company at the, at this point. Right. Yes, so sir. kind of showing the crowd that, Hey, this is, this is somebody to look after. And, uh, and we, we keep something going with Sammy, which is nice as well. Yeah. So from there we go into the world-class syndicate versus Legion. Yes. And
0: blasphemer and Morbius. Yeah.
1: They kick ass
0: here.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, world-class Syndicate, uh, very good here as well. Trying to see which two. This, this would have been Carson, Rain,
0: Carson and Moonshine. Carson and Moonshine. That, that yeah. was really what we wanted to do. We, we, we yeah. wanted to have this sort of like Freebird style element yes. where we could mix and match Moonshine, Carson, and Alex Reigns. And so here we had Carson and Moonshine uh, wrestling Blasphemer and, and Morbius. Right. And of course, they are victorious. Yeah, they
1: pin blasphemer. Yes, sir. Which leads to uh, Greg James, who has a title match later on, coming out and basically uh, expelling Jeff as blasphemer.
0: Out of out of out of the group, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he leaves out the front front door. Yeah. Um, Looking sad and dejected. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Do- at this point, though. He's also he's also really getting uh, responses. Yeah, he's, he's
1: starting to get uh, babyface responses. Yeah,
0: the thing about his character that, that I think we kind of neglected to mention is that as he's in the group, Jeff Gann is kind of a happy-go-lucky sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. And in spite of the fact that he's in this kind of sinister, uh, uh, slime-drooling clique of black metal hooligans, he's kind of still waving and going, Hi, guys. Yeah. And so, I think at this point, this is supposed to exhibit that uh, James is sick of his shit, <laughs> and he's kicking him out, and this is supposed to go somewhere, of course. I, I, Gant was actually over as this character. Yes. He was over from day one for being what he was. I thought that we appropriately used him. He got to wrestle, he got to work, he, he was not put in anything where yeah. the expectations were too high, I don't think.
1: And I think we, we highlighted a lot of his strengths, too.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's what the, that's what the name of the game is, man. Anyway... And from here we come into a match that is definitely this style.
1: Yeah, this was right up my alley. This for, this, I was like, over the moon. I was like beaming during this match. So James Claxton versus Jake Durden. Jake Dearden. um, om, like fucking Bruiser Brody versus Stan Hansen. Basically, um, just classic. So, uh, Dearden is from St. Louis basically does a modern Bruiser Brody gimmick, has a leather jacket, does the huss everything, right? And I think I even told him, I was like, just go be Brody. So, uh, ACH had uh, told me, hey, you need to get this guy down here. He's right up your alley. You're going to love him. Um,
0: and we all, we were over the moon. I think we were both over the moon for him. Yeah. We both loved him. He, awesome. And, of course, this match was to, to introduce Jake uh, to... To some degree, but also to push Claxton up the ladder as, uh, as a competitor. So, you know, this was this is a match that builds Claxton as a potential contender down the line, but also introduces Durden to people. And this is one of those matches where, you know, someone can still look strong Yeah, defeat.
1: And, and, I, and I think, especially someone new, right? Yeah. So I think we definitely, we got him on our fans' radar, and we got Claxton a strong win. And I love the match. It's one of my favorite matches. Yeah. Um, it's a very pure match. Especially up to this point. Yeah, it's very very simple. Just, I mean, it, and not so much in the dude-bro MMA style, but just two tough guys beating the shit out of each other. You know, where it, it doesn't have to be that weird affliction nerd shit, right? <clears throat> but it is. It's just two tough guys beating the shit out of each other. Absolutely. So, and speaking of that, so we go into the next match, and this is... Uh Matthew Palmer and Lance Hoyt are representing the center of perfection. So um Franco is injured. Um you know, coming Franco's coming off of that horrific car, car injury. Yeah. Um Franco was, you know, always susceptible to injury and now, you know, he's got all these factors from that car injury as well. So unfortunately this was probably just a matter of time that he pick up a little knock like this so he's out he's on the outside managing um things obviously did not work out with with um robert evans at this point i think it's a combination he's living in canada um so it's more and more difficult to get him down so we need somebody that can fill this tag role with with palmer And at this point, Lance Hoyt had been basically doing either his rock and rave deal where he's a fake, you know, uh, what is that? Guitar hero playing, you know, slash wannabe. Or he's doing a cover of his TNA character or he's doing like the Dude Buster thing. In Japan, he's part of the Killer Elite Squad and he's just this monster, right? So, I remember... When we brought in Hoyt, you were not interested in getting the the dude buster or the fucking no, air sir. guitar or any of that shit. <clears throat> so i had I had known Hoyt, and uh I was like, well what if I ask him if he'll do new Japan version right and he was he was all for it. I don't think anyone had asked for that or knew to ask for that here so we got <laughs> the new Japan killer Elite Squad um lance hoyt ready to murder everybody in the building mm-hmm. um with matthew palmer so different dynamic than what i think we were originally shooting for with the group but absolutely but really added a lot to it
0: still still valuable yeah. just different but great
1: and I coming off of the match with jojo we now have jojo teaming with uh tadasuke yes Khrum, who is now part of noah at this point he was part of the kind this JoJo. was a
0: huge this was a huge get for us yeah. I, I thought so
1: in a we. This is um, the Kai and Tai dojo. Yeah. Uh, sent him our way. Actually, Dylan Dunbar was the one that went. Hey, I know things didn't go good with us, but can you look after my guy, Titus game
0: I gotta, I gotta give all the respect in the world to uh, to Dunbar because, in spite of the fact that we'd had that strange phone call and he'd quit kind of unceremoniously, he still knew to do business with us was was beneficial to people that he knew yeah. and, and this he he basically brokered this and he brought Tadasuke up yep. and it was it was it was fortuitous it was it was, it was, it was easy and and yeah. uh it was really big of him man yeah
1: so uh Jojo dresses as Tadasuke's tag team partner from Japan at the time because Jojo's a, a huge fan of the Japanese, Japanese wrestling. independent mm-hmm. wrestling scene um so Franco is on the outside, injured with uh, Samantha Ann. I don't know if I think maybe the previous show we started using Samantha yeah, Ann. Um, I
0: was very wary of this.
1: Yeah, she was she was very kind and supportive of the product. Yeah. So it, it. She was a sweetheart. We wanted to bring her in. Yeah what she added was not kind of our vision for for wrestling. So it, it no, kind of it was also mismatched. something that
0: was it was carrying over from other stuff that was going yeah. on at other companies. And again, I was always kind of insistent that whatever we did be unique to us. Yeah. And also, yeah, I I liked the idea of using her for something. I just didn't really yeah, like
1: the, the same thing. Yeah. So <laughs> so Tadaske is extremely creepy in this match, do you remember? Yeah. So he's constantly chasing Samantha Ann, mm-hmm. right? Um, like taking fake pictures of her. And, um, so I mean, these days he may it may have been a canceled Tadaske, but um, the match is really fun. <laughs> Uh, Hoy ends up going up over. It feels at,
0: at the time this really felt huge. It really gave us yeah. this, this interna- international flavor. Kind of continued that, you know.
1: Yeah, sort of, and and we had, um, you know, we had folks in the building that uh, could get pictures to Japan of these two guys that make their hay in Japan, right? So, um, yeah, really. Felt big. Felt really big. Really big. And introduces Hoyt as who he is today to, to our, our audience, which is cool.
0: And speaking of big, let's talk about the opposite of big as we move into the next match. Continuing the yeah. the the, the XXD era, yeah, the bookmark debacle as we call it. Um
1: So very early on, uh In a creative meeting, you had told me that if somebody leaves their house and goes to another building, you don't have to watch them take the entire journey to the building. You can just pick up when they get to the building. Absolutely. This is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. So we are strenuously going step by step. So we have... um,
0: It's not like this was super hot and required multiple, multiple, you know... Multiple revisitings or anything like that. So,
1: we're going to redo the Lexi-Page match. So, Lexi has agreed to get color in this match, right? To which Stroud is horrified. Um, Does it need it? Probably not, but goddamn, we need something from the last match. So, let's go with it. It
0: needs a new wrinkle.
1: So, we have Lexi versus Page-Turner, and she's with Charlie at this point. So... Because the original uh, girl that we had used, Claudia, has completely fallen off.
0: No, no interest we, in coming we, back. We didn't. We didn't have any interest yeah. in bringing her back. Yeah. Her attitude was horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, that was <laughs> so that we, was. Yeah. We're still
1: trying to get to this weird magical number of three, which is for for, uh, yeah. For,
0: yeah for the for the bookmarks. We're trying to build yeah. this this stable of bookmarks, and the thing that we need to really again drive home is that. Once Paige absorbs all these women that she could be working in other various ways, yeah. rolling them up into this ball and tying all these people up in this angle, we don't know where it's going to go. We have nowhere to We go. don't know how it's going to end. And, and I, I can say this with some assurance. When I'm writing my stuff out, I have ideas that stretch out for years, and I have ideas that uh, get tangled and tied up into other elements, and I have multiple different... Universe is going on in my head. Say if someone gets injured, I'm gonna plug this into that, and, and I know where I'm going with this. This was this bad idea based on a really stupid fucking pun, yep. and you don't fucking book on based <laughs> on stupid fucking puns. And I'm getting really angry thinking about this. I'm sorry.
1: Well, but I'm saving my anger for the next show. Okay. But because that's where I'm just gonna okay. let loose. Yeah. But so this match is slightly better. That's not, late, it's not
0: saying much,
1: right? From a bad match, yeah.
0: And that um, is not that is not to disparage
1: Lexi or no. Page. It's just yeah, they were put in a very bad position, and Paige goes over by Paige winning. Now Lexi has to join the bookmarks. That's the story.
0: Duh! Stupid. Sorry, I'm just gonna yeah. say it. I thought I thought this whole angle fucking stunk. Um, I really wanted to give Brandon credibility. He's this guy that endlessly boasts about writing a book and optioning and it spe- and he's, he's
1: specifically about fucking women Yeah, too and, right know, and he's got and, he's and getting he
0: gets tons of hits every fucking week yeah. and you want to give this guy faith yeah but at the same time i'm getting really frustrated at this point because isn't, i don't feel like he's lifting a finger to help uh, the promotion isn't gnome.
1: this this is also around the time that every fucking one of these right the 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 creative work is done I'm a traditionalist, it's hard for me to say script, but that's what it is. The script is done and Stroud's part is not Not there. Not in yet. No. The head fucking editor for this goddamn dirt sheet can't get his fucking shit in on time. Any fucking show. No,
0: it'd be the day of. He'd bring his shit in on yeah. a separate piece of paper. You gotta understand when I got my shit done, it's done like the week in it the week of the week of like like seven days before the show's there. I email the script out. Everybody knows what they're doing. We're all on the same page. But I'd be sitting there going, Brandon, where's your fucking shit? Yeah. Not that it really mattered, but you I don't think he knew where he was going either.
1: So you are going to go. I'm just going to take you through my journey here. World Class Syndicate versus Legion. Tag team match style right up my alley. Uh, Dearden versus uh, Claxton. Match I adored. Right. What I want in professional wrestling. Then I bring, you know, Lance Hoyt, that being that Joshi or that Gaijin monster from Japan to our company. Fucking awesome. We have Tadasuke, which is a hot young talent from Japan. In and of our course company.
0: you can't forget right I mean not not necessarily your your feather, but we opened shit hot. Yeah, with, with this J Crown with that J Crown
1: which, which athleticism out the fucking Wazoo. which is something that I appreciate, right? So that's the fucking card and then we fucking just hit this roadblock, right? Right in the middle of the show. Yeah. It's so frustrating. So frustrating.
0: You can't even say it's so People people I'm sure that there's going to be some some goon, goon out there going, "You guys are being extraordinarily hard on him." But the proof is in the pudding. You yeah. look at you look at the flow of the show and you look at the quality and then you look at what he offered. There's one thing to say that you're building something, but when the Material is inherently bad, and you don't give people the right thing to work with. I mean, everybody that I worked with in that company at that point knew where they were going. Yeah. Nobody here knew what was going on. They just thought that this idea was really bad, and people just kind of suffered through it.
1: Yeah. So let's... Paige Turner wins. Lexi's part of the bookmarks. Let's continue. So now we get into Showtime Scott Summers versus Thomas Shire, and Showtime... Um, has decided that he is going to basically have his own belt. And it is the uh,
0: the world world-class class. belt. <laughs> it is the world-class yeah. belt. Now, what what's interesting here is that basically Scott brings in this renegade belt because he's dissatisfied with the foul play that occurred in the title match that he was a part of. He was really angry about it. Um... So we have this concept where we're going to bring in this other belt. And I think initially we actually had a belt commissioned for this. Yeah. And it didn't show up on time. So I believe... Uh, yeah, this Scotty, is a Scotty deal again. Yeah, Scotty Scotty whiffs it. The belt's not there. He's promising us that the belt is going to show up. It's not there on Sunday. I'm fucking living. And he
1: sends the world-class belt as a replacement, right? <clears throat>
0: Basically. And and we can weave it into this thing where it's like Scott is defending Texas tradition, Texas yeah. wrestling. And it's going to be the belt that has prestige and honor. Yeah. And it's going to be defended in these matches where there will be no cheating, it will be just very pure Texas wrestling, and that is the idea. And of course, who better for him to do this against than Thomas Shire? No one's going to give him a match that's like great, classic, pure Texas traditional wrestling, other than Shire, in my book.
1: And and Shire, Shire's a bell to bell is amazing here. Yes, mentally he was in a weird spot, but bell to bell in the ring, Shire was fucking incredible at this point. Yes,
0: this is a great match. And it's great it's, it's it's basically Scott here has this belt that he brings into the company as this Renegade belt and I think at this point he's having issues with uh
1: Greg Greg Simons Greg, who, is who our... who's been his lifetime rival. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Greg Simons is is really not he's an authority figure. He shows up, he makes announcements in our company. Yeah. But he's not necessarily someone that's really tied into angles because we didn't really want there to be any heel authority yeah, figure.
1: I we didn't want that the general idea. manager.
0: Yeah. Thing, right? But here is where he's actually really having trouble with Greg, because Greg is pissed that he's bringing in this unsanctioned renegade belt, and of course we have some plans eventually to revisit Greg and Scott's yeah. feud that happened up north, because we know we can work together with them, and we have some really cool stuff going on. There's some friction. Um, and we start to kind of build Greg as being almost heelish here. Yeah,
1: this is also what we bring in uh, Gabe Roach from yes. the sean michaels academy um who has not wrestled in like eight years at this point yeah and he's he's getting back into wrestling as well so he's kind of the administrator for for greg right he's just he's kind his, of his security, his security. Kind of, yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely um but yeah we're building towards something with gabe and greg and scott and uh, at this point, we did have the title of Pure Prestige title picked out. We had the title we we, we wanted in mind. It just didn't get delivered to us. And so we decided to kind of ride this out with the world-class belt.
1: Yeah, didn't show up in time. No. So we go from that into Andy Dalton versus um, This Now, the, the Greg James match was not uh, received... Uh, great, I guess, at the time. No, but but it, going back, man, I enjoyed that it's, match. It's a great match. This was received much better uh, and is, uh, to me, it's slightly slightly a, a better worked match uh, if you're going to get all nerdy and fucking count details. But it, it
0: definitely kind of but, puts puts Dalton 2 in front of people's eyes and people start to kind of come around on Dalton and go, man, yeah. he is a fantastic wrestler. Yeah,
1: because th- this is the deal where... Where we went, oh sh- okay, maybe uh maybe they just didn't work it the right way, right? So we put Dalton out there and basically tell him, Hey, just go fucking nuts. Right. Yeah. And he, he delivers here. Uh Watanabe picks up the win. So we're using someone on an excursion. You it's kind of disrespectful to just bring somebody in and have them. Job out every match.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So at this
1: point too, we are we
0: got to give something we're back,
1: paying it back. Right? Yeah. So Want Nobby picks up the victory here. We're dealing with an excursion wrestler. Uh, you have to kind of give something back at this point. So he, had, you, he had
0: previously lost to Greg he, James. He lost to Bill Greg. James.
1: Put put uh, James over to help us build up there. So you, if you just bring him in and you have him lose, it's sort of looked at as disrespectful. So you don't want to just have him lose every match. So here you come back and you, you give him that victory back.
0: And of course we know where we're going with Dalton. We know he looks strong in this match. Still he's a perceived threat. Um, But he's kind of and at this point kind of lurking at the deep end as a character. I yeah. think he's a he's a great wrestler. People know he's a great wrestler. People are waking up to him. But him losing, he still looks strong here. This is a I believe like a 13 minute match. Yeah, it's a long it's a long one and it's a great one and I was very proud to 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 have this on the card and um, Andy could walk Andy walked away looking strong. Yeah,
1: the thing with with Andy too uh, because of his promo ability, you could beat him at any time and he could get his heat back so. He he was always a good guy. If you needed, to he didn't put just get.
0: Over. He just didn't get steamrolled in this. Stuff. Yeah, he was. He was oh, we, this was a heavy yeah, competitive didn't, match.
1: we didn't. <laughs> it wasn't a squash match no, or anything. Not at it all. It wasn't a Saturday morning special yeah. or anything.
0: It was a 13 minute clinic.
1: Yeah. So from that we go into Red Dead Depression, which is Red Scare and Great Depression, taking on Frankie Fisher and Stephen Kirby.
0: I didn't get them. Yeah. Uh, this was something yeah. that we did uh, to give some people a shot. Uh, yeah. Frankie Fisher. Um, there wasn't a real image. I, I think real look. Yeah, I think Gigolo was supposed to be here, right? Yeah, but, but people uh, were people. Uh, a Palmer, in particular, I think was really pushing Frankie.
1: And yes, and then Steve Steve Kirby, for those that don't know, is the owner of Metroplex Wrestling in Dallas. So I think it was kind of done as a a favor to. To him as, as a prominent promoter owner.
0: It was it was a, the presentation was somewhat bland. I wasn't yeah. really too impressed with what what they brought to the table. Um, but yeah.
1: yeah, I I hear that this tag team is to this day still over in Dallas, but we didn't see it in, in
0: person. No, not at all. And they did they go over depression and red scare, right?
1: Depression went over, yeah. Yeah.
0: So Frankie Fisher, Steve Kirby versus Great Depression Red Scare it serves its purpose in kind of introducing us to a fresh face yeah. someone we wanted to have a connection with and uh and we we did do some some double shots with the MPX folks yeah and and you know we got to see what what was going on up there at the time and of course this got the faction of Red Scare and Depression over which is something we were really pushing in terms of building toward tag teams
1: yes and yeah I mean, just good business, right? So from there, we go into the undefeated Greg James taking on Mike Dell.
0: This is a big match, big feeling for us here. I was very excited about this match because it was something that I hadn't really seen a lot of. I thought this match was phenomenal. I was really in love with this match. And, of course, I loved this match because I got to work with with Mike creatively in terms of how this was going to end. There is a match in WCW where Hogan wrestled... Someone who who basically uh, his finisher was a mist, and I can't remember the name of the wrestler. Maybe Bis will pipe yeah. in with this, but um, the the finish of the match was Hogan. Hogan was wearing uh, ri- uh, wrist and hand tape, and uh, he deflects the mist and then rubs it in uh, his opponent's eyes, and that's how that that match ends. And uh, this was a finish that Mike and I mutually really loved and of course at this point greg james was using the black mist and um, so we basically re- uh, recreated that that finish and i loved it i thought it was a, a great dramatic moment the match itself was really wonderfully wrestled this was the title defense i think at the time i said this is the kind of title match that i want this match felt huge the build was great the actual quality of the match was strong and it really made me feel like yeah this title defense belonged at the top of this card it was also something that was just you know locally built with two great guys the crowd was hot for it and i was i was supremely happy with it um now this was the last time that you saw greg james for a while and i recently talked with somebody about this um regarding him being gone for a bit at the time that Greg was doing the black metal thing, he wasn't entirely happy with it, though he would later embrace it when he went out of state and saw that it set him apart from a lot of other guys. We had intended to essentially give Greg a break after this.
1: Kind of the reset, right?
0: A Reset. He wanted to reset himself. He wanted to take a break. I thought that we could do do sort of a, a calm period, then bring them back, and people would pop, and we'd push them in a in a, in a face direction. And it would tie into some stuff that we planned for Jeff. Jeff yeah. Gant, who had been jumped out of this group. And at the same time, we were going to keep Morbius around, but still in the corpse paint, and do something with him that was individual, him maintaining the black metal gimmick, yeah. Greg coming back without the black metal gimmick, and Gant coming back with something entirely different. Yeah. And it was just going to create... This eruption of new directions, new feuds, but as <laughs> things often occur yeah. in this business, it did not yeah. go quite as planned. Yes. So I was happy with the show. It was a fairly easy show, yeah. in spite of the fact that we had injuries going into it. We yeah. had different people coming in. We had a surprise with Rookie Starks. It was a good show.
1: Yeah. Chaotic, but uh but I I think overall we, we had to be very happy other than the one little speed bump that was becoming very obvious that absolutely there was there was not any steam
0: behind that engine. I think that we have a little bit of time here, so yeah, we can discuss something. That, let's jump into the uh, when the keys
1: of AAPW were given to us. I think yes. that's a very good phrase. <laughs> yeah,
0: this was going on simultaneously. Yeah. We were uh, we had a relationship with Uncle George. De La Isla, <laughs> over at AAPW, where a lot of really phenomenal talent has come out, you know. Carson Houston was a graduate. Rick, Albert. Ricky Starks. Uh, Ricky Starks. Albert. Spencer's Barbie Hayden. There. Barbie Hayden. Yeah.
1: Jojo Bravo, uh, originally. Yeah.
0: There were, there were a lot a of lot, really...
1: A lot of big names in Texas. Steve Arino. Yeah. Have come through that school, so.
0: So, we were eager to point people in the direction of a school yeah and aapw was it plus a lot of people really respect george they love george he's a great guy to deal with we wanted to do something that would help him i believe he had recently relocated his school over to an industrial area that was near airport boulevard and they were running shows out of that space yeah and uh we had started to kind of go to those shows to support, because George would come to our shows.
1: Yeah, so we'd, we'd go to their shows. We'd
0: return the favor, and I believe one of the first shows we went to, George called us into his office and said that he wanted us to consider his building our building, and he was interested in passing the torch, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And basically, he laid at our feet, he said, I want you guys to take over this school, because you guys are doing a great job, you're doing phenomenal, you're getting, people, you're getting people excited about the business here. Yeah. And of course, George was also someone who had beef with Darren Childs. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And th- this, was, uh, this was during the same time as the London School, <laughs> that was run out of the same building. Uh, Paul London. Who was renting from from George
0: yeah there were two schools under one roof there was I believe some frustration regarding the fact that people weren't actually paying into the building but still using the space
1: one person yes <laughs> that, exactly and one particular
0: person so it, it was interesting my my recollection of this may be a little bit hazy but I remember George handing us the keys and me kind of just standing there going what the fuck just happened <laughs> We've gone to one of their shows, and the student shows I don't think were great. I believe they were like six matches total. Usually, yeah. And uh, they did this interesting thing where George basically had live commentary. (laughs) So it'd basically be like George and someone else that he was training to do commentary, doing live commentary over the match. There was only one row around the ring. Um,
1: Friends and family, for the most part.
0: Holy shit! I'm just gonna say it. A lot of these shows just felt extremely trailer parkish, yes. and they were not cheap either.
1: Yeah, no, it was like if we're gonna get somebody, we might as well get them.
0: Yeah, you know? they were. How much was it to get in? Like ten? Like, yeah, I want to say it was like twenty bucks. 20, 10 to twenty bucks. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But it, I remember, I remember going there and seeing. You know, the students, the students are students. It's a student show. And I understand that you can use these shows to subsidize the school, right? I thought, huh, this is a really cool model. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, Georgia's bringing up a lot of straight fucking bums into the area <laughs> to work the kids. And they were going over on the kids. They weren't giving the kids a rub. The matches were lousy. The the storylines were really weird. He wasn't really giving the kids a lot to work no. with, and at the same time, George's vision was going. He was. He was gone. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. And um, he
1: basically couldn't see at this point.
0: Yeah. And so there was there was this moment. He hands us the keys. He says, "I want you guys to take this over. Make this a part of your empire, so to speak." I agree to take this on, which means Biss and I start going to their yeah. uh, their training yeah. nights. And we go from doing this. Stroud is coming along. Stroud is like showing people tape. Um, there there's a crop of decent kids. Man, I hated that.
1: Well, that motherfucker had oh, the no tape? business showing the ta- any the- tape. He didn't know what the fuck was going on. No. <laughs> Sorry, but he dove right into it, didn't he?
0: Yep. Look um, at me. So anyway, this also means that I take over. Booking the student <laughs> shows. So I'm booking the Inspire shows and the AAPW shows, and I begin to promote the AAPW shows. And I think, honestly, I only did about two shows before everything fell apart. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so basically, what happened was he was bringing, George was bringing up people who were walking away with like a hundred bucks from San Antonio. They weren't drawn shit, yeah. they weren't people that he trained. I don't, I don't really understand why he was doing what he was doing. My idea was to come in and gut the shows, make them more student-centered, and to bring up the people from NWA Rev. Yeah. Uh, we could get them on cards for, I think, about 60 bucks a carload, which was insane. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I wanted to lower the cost of the shows to get people in the door. I wanted the kids to be able to work with these other people, and I wanted to give them direction. I really wanted to give them direction and give them something to do. But unfortunately... There were some rather cancerous characters that were hanging out at that time. Uh, For example, there was this guy. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay.
1: You want to jump in? (laughs) No, I forget his name.
0: I forget his name too.
1: Uh, What
0: the fuck? We have to
1: know his name. He was like like, Kikaleo or something. Yeah, something
0: like that. He was like some Hawaiian. He was like some Mexican dude playing a Hawaiian or some shit like that. And he had this character by the name of. Uh, the fabulous mansoor
1: yeah that was his, victorious his, his, mansoor. uh victorious mansoor was his son
0: yeah and his son was an elvis impersonator <laughs> uh and mansoor was like 15 right yeah. he,
1: he was he'd been young. wrestling since he was like 10 yeah like could was already starting to walk bow-legged.
0: Yeah, uh, and and Mansoor would actually show up to our shows wearing suits and lays and Mm -hmm. glasses. He looked like a fucking movie star when he walked in. He was a genuine character, and I'd always see him and go, who the fuck is that? And Biss would go, bro, that's Mansoor. Fucking Mansour. So so when I finally saw him wrestle, I was really impressed. He's 15, pretty thin. Um, Also, he is a fabulous elvis impersonator i don't believe he wrestles anymore but i've seen footage of him actually doing elvis stuff and he kicks ass but i was really excited to work with him i uh and and i believe his mother really thought that he had a contract once he hit a certain age like it was just guaranteed man he was he was there so it's yeah he's with this other guy king koala lottie whatever the fuck oh what Um, the fuck
1: was his name Kalanilali Lolly or some, some shit. Some like shit that. like
0: that, man. Um But yeah, this this guy who was older, he had to be like he had to be like hitting fifty or something.
1: Yeah. He yeah. Yeah. I and remember he, his shoot name, but I can't think of his fucking worker name.
0: He never showed up for no, training. Never
1: never went to practice. Never went to practice. Was a trained. postman.
0: Yeah, he was a postman. <laughs> um and I booked an angle. <laughs> Uh, that would have helped Mansour kind of get over and ha- ha- it was just a storyline. It was a cheap yeah. storyline, but it would have made sense. And I believe it was at one of the shows, this guy who just, fin- I think he really resented the fact that we were there. Yeah, Homeboy goes off the rails and yeah. he's supposed to have Mansour go over on him. And he basically just starts throwing Mansour around the ring.
1: He beats the shit out of him. He, he beats, starts shooting on him. He
0: shoots on this 15 year old kid. And then I think it was Thomas Munoz. Yeah. Who was our ref at the yeah. time. It, it inspired. Punch, also, punches Thomas. Yeah. He tried to, he said, I believe the word, word words Thomas used, he kicked me in the dick. Yeah. Um, he, he kicked Thomas and the gonads. And um, hey, Thomas left. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of got the impression that George resented the fact that I was bringing in these NWA ref people and I had stopped booking like that clown guy. Yeah. Um, who I was kind of like pushing out, I stopped booking B because B was really cost prohibitive. Yeah. I didn't think that Mr. B belonged.
1: Yeah, his days at student shows were probably over. It needed to end. It wasn't really helping anybody out.
0: It wasn't helping him. It
1: wasn't helping the kids. Yeah. And the previous generation needed to... They needed to leave the nest and go fly, right?
0: Yeah. So this dude just... We have a show and everything just kind of goes off the rails and no one's listening and somebody tells me that George had told uh several of the people to not listen to me directly and that was like the moment where i was really i just lost it i was like fuck man i'm coming to these these practice sessions two times a week i'm overseeing it i'm promoting the shows i'm writing it i and and um and it's just it's not worth my time it's taking away from inspire and that night, I walk into the office. George is up there, I think, counting. They have this, like, really fungally infested food trailer. And, and I think he's talking to somebody about the receipts from that. Yeah. And I walk in, and I go, look, George, this just isn't working out, man. You can't be telling people not to listen to me. I'm, I'm investing time here. My time is valuable. And so I throw the keys on the <laughs> desk, and I say, man, I appreciate it, but I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Uh, and this was actually after George had canceled the show on us. Out yes. Out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, he canceled the show because he did not think he could pay that we were spending his whole budget on the Rep Pro Kids.
0: Which was 60 bucks. Which, however, which like- was
1: like... We took your budget. We were saving you money, like we we pared the budget down. Absolutely. And we got better people to work with your kids that were going to elevate them.
0: Yeah, we even brought in guys like uh, I believe we had Jack Stane come in and work work a yeah cause, a training session. Well, because
1: he wanted us to come to the training sessions, and you know, big surprise, I can't train nobody. Yeah, you know? me either. I'm, right.
0: I'm not a wrestler, <laughs> so so we um, were bringing in we were bringing in guest teachers.
1: Yeah, we were trying to find anybody we could that could help out and do us a favor. Jax was one of them. And she, fuck, you know.
0: Anyway, uh, from there, though, there was a story that erupted that I kicked in the door of George's <laughs> office and flung the keys at his head, which absolutely uh, didn't well,
1: fucking happen. I mean, George couldn't see what was happening anyway.
0: Absolutely. But just, just, just to get that out there, this, there's this story that Max is this asshole who fucking threw keys <laughs> at a blind man. That never fucking happened. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, the AAPW excursion <laughs> really opened my eyes um, and, and kind of showed me more so what I didn't fucking want to be involved with yes. in the business. And it it really, I think, renewed my interest and in, in, in inspire <laughs> at that point because I was like, man, I'm yeah, redirecting a, a lot of resources and time here when I should be just spending it on my own company. No,
1: no need for this shit. Yeah, the live commentary was something very popular in southern Texas. Um, that just sucks. It's horrible. You take a, a referee who's already supposed to be blind and you make him have to be deaf, too. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> so anyway, this is important, this, 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 this uh, journey into AAPW, because it represents a chink in the armor that I think allowed a certain somebody to do some shit that shouldn't have fucking happened. Yeah. And this, this happened as we were approaching in their blood, as you yes. recall. Yeah. It, it, I was so focused on AAPW, as were you, that at this time, Brandon Stroud had attempted to convince us to run a spinoff company Yeah. known as XXD.
1: Yeah, and this was supposed to be, like, he was supposed to run the company. But what ended up happening was that we ran it.
0: So I'm tasked with finding a venue, and I approached these folks at this venue called the Iron Gate. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Now, this space is actually where Wrestle Circus ended <laughs> up running out of eventually, and they wanted to give it to us for about a thousand bucks, which was actually you, equitable.
1: You know the the space where you were offered crack cocaine before you went in? Yes. That Wrestle Circus space. <laughs>
0: The place where people projectile, diarrhea <laughs> on the door as you were waiting in line. So we're, we we go to these people, and they've got this spot, and it's it's pretty interesting. There are a lot of possibilities here, and I think, you know, Russell Circus did okay in there, but they quick quickly outgrew it. I thought we could have done some interesting stuff there, but it was a smaller venue for about a grand. I thought we could have run something pretty cool out of it, maybe an average show because when you're faced with, A thousand bucks in rent, you know, you kind of have to pump up the card to pay for the space and all the other things that go along with it to make a show possible. And so we were on the road to running this female-centric show that Brandon was kind of putting together. He told me he was going to subsidize it out of his pocket but i think he told Biss that he was going to crowdfund
1: yeah that he was going yeah, yeah it was going to be completely crowdfunded
0: okay so like i was not a part of that i was just negotiating yeah. the venue
1: because he had just crowdfunded a movie yeah so he's like oh i i know how to raise the funds for it so here we
0: are i think we're how how far out were we when it when we learned when, when yeah. the iron gate folks turned on us oh god probably two months no, it Probably. wasn't two months. It was like really. This was coming up fast because we had yeah. all the talent booked. We had the show booked. Yeah, and I believe yeah. it might have been like two weeks out. I'm pretty sure it was two weeks out because we had to change the poster. Yeah. And so we're doing this thing at Iron Gate, and then they call us and they go, "Yeah, we're gonna have to change the 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 yeah the rent amount." And it went from being a thousand bucks to about three grand, yeah. and we scrambled to try and find a venue and. I had to ultimately just go to Marquesa's folks with my tail between my legs and go, look, there's anything going on in this date. They said, nope. I said, can we we do something together? And they said, absolutely. And we wound up running that show there instead.
1: Yeah. And we will uh, dive into that on the next episode.
0: We'll be sharpening our knives in the meantime before we join you next week with the Ender Blood edition. See ya.